Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Taekwondo for all, that is the vision of today's guest, Grandmaster Michael Sirota of Sirota's Alchemy and the Global Para-Taekwondo Consultancy. My name is Mark Sirianis. I'm your host. I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life magazine and the third Don Black Belt. More than 20 years ago, the term para-taekwondo was virtually unknown in, in most circles. People with special challenges, special needs and disabilities generally sat on the sidelines of taekwondo tournaments and classes with little place for them. Thanks to the vision and the effort of Master Michael Sirota and people like him, it is a very different world in 2019. Master Sirota, through his individual efforts, his education, his teaching, his consultancy, his instructor's program has helped to increase his vision of Taekwondo for All as he presents and provides programs for people and children with special needs and challenges and helps us to create a vision for a Taekwondo world where everyone can find some benefit from training in this beautiful art. I encourage you, after listening to my interview with Master Sirota, to find out more about him. If you're a school owner, a dojang owner, or an instructor, to find out about how you can have someone in your organization certified in this very important and special area. That being said, I'll let Master Sirota help bring you up to date on what's happening in the world of para-taekwondo. Okay, so we are talking today with Grandmaster Michael Sirota of, uh, if I have it correct, it's Sirota's Alchemy. That in, is correct. In Vancouver? That's correct. Columbia? That's wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to us today. No, um, it's my honor. Our paths crossed, I think, after... Around maybe 2016, you spoke at the what was then Kama, which is now ASA. Is that is that around the time that you that you presented there? Uh, I did present at uh, the Kama conference a few years ago. That's correct. Wonderful, wonderful. So, so for those of, uh, who don't know you, you are um, known for many things, which I'll give you an opportunity to speak about. But you are what I would consider to be the leading figure in the world of para taekwondo um and and you've led a tremendous movement and if you could just tell us a little bit about uh how it is that you became involved in um taekwondo and the martial arts for yourself personally okay well i, I started um taekwondo as a child uh, in the early 80s uh and i've been uh, involved ever since um so going from you know training and classes uh, competing um 
teaching and ultimately uh, opening up my schools when I was in my early 20s. Um, and, uh, yeah, and kind of just kept going and growing and, uh, uh, yeah, making and trying to make a difference in my own personal life and, of course, the lives of uh, other people in the, in the community and the world now. For, for you personally, in terms of coming up, because I'm not, I'm not that familiar with the, um, the Taekwondo um, availability in your in your area. Was what were did you grow up in the in the same area where you are now? And and was uh, martial arts and Taekwondo readily available for, as something that you were um, able to participate in, or was it somewhat of a, a difficult process to get involved in in, in studying? So I grew up. I started Taekwondo in um, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, when I was about 12 years old, and I believe at that time n- no one really knew what Taekwondo was. You know, it was only karate or martial arts, and I had no idea. And it's just, and it was by luck, or you know, I just uh, we my parents registered me in a, in a Taekwondo school, and um, I kind of I stayed with it and got involved. And uh, uh, but at that time, uh, it, it was still uh, in an infancy, uh, especially Taekwondo or what it is compared to what it is now. Um, but I believe there were there were schools, um, uh, but of course not to the same degree as uh, as it is today. Okay. And for yourself personally, in your training, before we get into your other development, what was what a particular aspect of it that you uh, gravitated towards more towards forms, more towards sparring, more towards uh, demonstrations, board breaking, or, mm-hmm. or was it a combination of a holistic um, training? Right. When I started, like I said, I was a child and. Um, I was bullied in school and um, uh, lacked self-esteem, self-worth, uh, identity, um, kind of in a way lost. And uh, and so the martial arts in a way, you know, saved me in many ways. Um, and as I got more involved in training, uh, it was it was a competition that um, uh, kept me going and uh, provided that, the drive. Uh, and when it talk about competition, it was, it was sparring. Um, so I did compete. Uh, locally to nationally um, for several years. And uh, so that kind of kept me going through my teen years and, uh, uh, and into my early 20s. Okay. So, so you're basically today, I think for many, the face of what is called para-taekwondo. Can you, for those of my listeners that are not um, familiar with what that term means, and, and hopefully I'm using it correctly, but um, it, explain what what that is and um, you know what that entails. Okay, definitely, I'd love to. Um, so to me, what Paratechnodo is, it's, it's really it's Taekwondo for all. Um, it's removing all the parameters, all the uh, limitations, and truly making martial arts or Taekwondo for every individual, regardless of their ability, um, regardless of uh, you know their weaknesses or strengths. Uh, it is it's all encompassing. And that is what the Paratechnodo is. Um, Paratechnodo has, you know, has grown now to become a Paralympic sport, and there's that pathway. Uh, but I look at it as more of a, an opportunity to uh, welcome, especially children with various uh, impairments or various um, challenges. It could be physical or emotional or intellectual or sensory, and provide a platform for them to shine, for them to grow. Uh, regardless of what what they want to do, um, you know, in many it could be competition, but for, of course for the huge huge majority of the individuals, competition is not really the, what they're seeking. It's you know for, they're seeking a platform to become a better person, and of course the parents are looking for platforms for their child to to grow 
uh, on all levels as well. So uh, in a nutshell, Taekwondo, para Taekwondo is Taekwondo. It's just created, it's more of uh, all-encompassing. Totally so those, the, the, the parameters of the, of the folks that would um, fall in, under the category can, can, can vary greatly from people that have um, some somewhat limited impairments to to some some great physical and, and medical conditions. Am I am I right? It's yeah, relatively a big umbrella. Um, absolutely right. So it can be um, you know it would be someone uh, an individual, a child or an adult um, who has some kind of a diagnosis. Um, so it could be autism. It could be um, cerebral palsy. It could be Down syndrome. It could be a spinal cord injury. It could be um, you know, an individual who, let's say, got hit by a car uh, and acquired a brain injury, um, some kind of paralysis, uh, anxiety disorders. There's there's just a full spectrum of various um, impairments or diagnosis that could that could that should be under paratypeado. Okay, um, and tell me about because it is, and it's very interesting because I I don't know if you're familiar with. Um, Grandmaster Erica Lindhorst, and and we, we she was on our program. Uh, it aired about two weeks ago, and 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 she was she and I were talking about the spectrum of uh, inclusion that involves seniors and 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 mm-hmm. aging. Um, mm-hmm. From your perspective, now from her perspective, she and I spoke. Um, it becomes a passion as because we tend to fall into that category, right? So so for for Grandmaster Lindhorst, for for myself, the concept of Thinking about this, it, it being on our consciousness is more a product of the fact that perhaps for myself, I'm trying to find a, a place to continue to be relevant and, and stay in. But for you, particularly because you've been doing this for, for, for such a long time, how did you become involved in this area of specialty in, in Taekwondo and the martial arts? Mm-hmm. So, um, so in, um, I, I opened my schools, uh, started teaching in the early 90s. And... Um, uh, and around two, 1999, 2000, um, we uh, we had a few kids um, who I knew had some kind of a special needs. Um, at that time, I had absolutely no knowledge about really anything to do with anything to do with special needs. Uh, I uh, had my background is far from that. Um, and uh, but we had some kids, and they were in a regular program, a regular martial arts program that we offered at that time. And I knew that. I believe that Taekwondo is fantastic for them, but also I knew that that environment that they're in and a large class um, is not really the best environment for them to grow. Uh, they needed that extra support. They needed a customized in a way program, and they also, um, you know, they, they need uh, the other kids and the, the dynamics and the the high, the, uh, the noise, the, all the different variables that associated was really not really uh, a benefit to the child. Um, so we've um, in two in two thousand, I decided to launch a you know the special needs martial arts program. Um, when I did, I absolutely had no knowledge of uh, of what to do or how to do it, or uh, or no guidance at all or mentorship. And I just started doing my own research, my own um, yeah, just my everything on my own. You know, try to find out what is what, and then how to work best with a child who has certain who are who is different. And that's kind of the, the that's how it all started. Um, so that is a um, interesting because I think, and and again, I don't have great um, 
I don't have great uh, exposure or experience, but I would think that probably previously uh, there was a gen- generally um, a notion that simply if you don't fit into someone who's in relatively peak physical shape to begin with or, 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 or you know, physical shape that you're looking to improve, that Taekwondo wasn't for you. If you had a, uh, any of the types of uh, uh, issues that you may have described um, or, or, or impediments or obstacles, that there was simply the Taekwondo schools would, would pass on someone as, as, as a student, but yet you saw an opening and an opportunity to mm-hmm. – transcend the 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 normal thinking um was it something that you had thought about previously um in any way or was it something that just came as a product of that experience of of meeting those students and trying to find help to find a place for them Uh, it would be the the later one it would um i never uh, envisioned that i would be teaching individuals with uh, special needs at our schools or even you know doing what I'm doing now over the last uh, 10, 15 years. Um, the, more, the more I got involved with this, the, the special needs community, the, the way, the, in a way, the more I uh, realized, okay, this is my path. This is what I'm here to do. This is my, my calling. Like, this, is, this is it. And um, so the more I embraced it, the more, the more opportunities I received, um, uh, the more platforms I got to work with individuals with various different different disability organizations. So everything kind of like starts to fall into place once I, I personally surrender to that notion. You know, I, when I, my background in, in Taekwondo was, you know, like you said before, it's, you know, you know, high performance training, uh, you know, kicking and, you know, competing and uh, extremely opposite of what, you know, when working with a child with special needs, because that their needs are very different than what we used to do in the past. Um, but, me surrendering to that, me welcoming that, okay, this is this is it. Um, then it just you know slowly, actually I would say fast, quickly it became uh, more and more opportunities became available to me. Um, so it would, it's not something that I thought I would be doing or even work towards it, but it just it just in a way created that platform. Um, you know, we were also uh, in in, two, in the year 2000. We were um, our schools were struggling. Our school, like financially, we were having a difficult time. We were, I was also like trying to think of, okay, should I do this program? This program, you know, what, what do we need to do to to grow, to survive? Um, and that probably helped a little bit as well, like because I was I was looking for something, and and then all of a sudden that became a, an opportunity. When we first started in in um, in the year 2000 with the special needs program, we probably had about four or five kids. Um, and that, at that time I was, you know, young and I thought, no problem. I can, I can do it all. And, um, and I thought, Oh, I think I should have like 20, 30 kids of special needs in the class. And, um, but when we started with five or, uh, I thought, Oh, wow, that's great. Cause that's, you know, if I had any more, it would be very, very, I would not be sure. technically or, uh, skillfully ready to, to do this. Um, so it started really small and we just, over the years, we kind of grew. So tell me how, how does that happen? How does that evolve, um, from, from having four or five kids to the platform Mm -hmm. that you have now? Is it a product of the fact that, um, people came to understand from either your efforts or the, or simply just information that was disseminated from the year 2000, um, uh, to to the greater platform, you know how how does it evolve yes. from being 
Um, so, you know, a, a niche program to being um, something that is as large as it is today, which we'll, we'll get into next. So I'll, I'll try to um, break into two components. One is within our own schools, within our community uh, or the city, of, like in Metro Vancouver. And then, of course, the other part is my vision of globalization. Um, so I'll start with uh, my, my own schools, uh, how, how it began. Um, like I said, I start with a few kids. Um, I had to do a lot of self-study. Um, there were you know, people like, let's say, autism, which is very prevalent right now. It's very known. At that time, not now, no one really knew what autism was. Um, uh, so I had to do my own research. This was like before, you know, there was like that Google and you could just, you know, mm-hmm. go on the internet and find everything. I had to go to the library, you know, buy books, all that kind of stuff, like an um, old school way of studying. Um, sure, sure. And uh, there was no like workshops or seminars or podcasts or anything like that. It was, it was before those, those times. Um, so I had to go to different uh, stores and just to try to figure out, you know, what, you know, what's what. Um, and then it did start, it did start to grow. Um, I believe because, you know, like that we realized that the special needs is a community. So a lot of, if, if there's a child, you know, a mom of a child with autism, she's probably somehow connected with other children, other families who have kids with autism or some other kind of special sure. needs. And th- there's a small uh, a network of those those families. So once we got, we started a program, um, you know, the word of mouth type of advertising or promotion was, you know, it, it was very fast. Uh, once the family right. saw, saw the positive benefits of our program, um, you know, they were very happy to uh, share with their with their uh, with their friends. Um, then also, I got connected um, through uh, various local community organizations, so like the British Columbia Autism Society or the Down Syndrome, you know, Greater Vancouver. Like there's abundance of different organizations available, and um, I just uh, created a pamphlet and uh, you know said, you know, this is who we are, and we have this program, and you know, can I meet with you? Can you know, can I? Yeah, just uh, just uh, engage the communication with those organizations, and they were they welcomed me with open arms and hearts. Um, you know, they they these most of these organizations are run by moms and dads of you know uh, who have kids with special needs. If it's a Down syndrome society, most of the people involved are parents of kids with Down syndrome. Uh, so when they see wow, there's a program like this, and it's all inclusive. It's integrating our child. You know, it's welcoming. Uh, you know, for sure, we would love to support you, and we would love to, uh, you know, bring our kids to your program. Uh, and they did a lot of promotion for us, and they still do to this day. Um, you know, we all those relationships are very strong right now. Um, so that's kind of how it grew. Um, when I started, it was um, primarily working with kids with uh, developmental or intellectual disabilities. Um, and then a couple of years later, I thought, okay, you know, we're doing really well. We have a, it's a fairly large group of kids already. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of, uh, you know, our develop, staff development, we're like in-house staff development of how, how to work with kids. Um, then I decided, okay, you know what, I want to, it's time to expand. So then I uh, decided, okay, I want to work with people who are blind. Um, prior to that, I don't think I ever even talked to a person who's blind or interacted with a person who's blind. Sure. So I've, I've, um, you know, blindfolded myself, <laughs> literally blindfolded myself, and tried to figure out, okay, what do I teach? How do I teach? I, we, other programs, we also we teach Taekwondo, but we also teach Hapkido. 
Um, so the Hapkidos are more of a hands-on, uh, tactile sure. type of a martial arts, self-defense system. So we start, we create a program that's called Fightless Self-Defense. Um, contact different organizations in our city, uh, who, like uh, visually impaired organizations, and you know we have this program. Can we do a workshop? Can we uh, do a seminar? Can we do a pro- like whatever? You know, and then one day workshop. You know, during a conference uh, or ongoing. Like I was open to whichever or whatever they can provide, whatever kind of partnership they wanted to uh, engage with me. Um, and you know, I was very receptive to that. And then we started a, a, a program for people who are blind. Um, and a little bit later, we, you know, I thought, okay, we're doing great. Uh, how about with physical disabilities, people who, in wheelchairs? Um, I had very little knowledge about that as well at that time. And um, pretty much I sat myself in the chair and started figuring out, okay, how do I teach people who cannot walk, who don't have the ability to walk, or who perhaps can walk but use a walker or need some kind of uh, support um, to to do martial arts and so everything was everything kind of was built and then I just kind of like when I like I mentioned a few minutes ago when I surrendered to that idea of this is what I'm here to do I was I, I did it I went full out and um, well it seems and, like a, a a great use of uh, true empathy in terms of being able to um, transition your mind towards the various um, segments of the. Uh, student population that you were trying to um, to service, you know, doing the things that you were that you were doing, which which really gives a unique perspective on it. I think, which is uh, you know part part and parcel of of why uh, I'm sure you you had such explosive um, impact. So I, I see like sometime around 2010 2011 in terms of your footprint of things that you were working on that it went from being largely domestically in Canada to being really international in terms of your, mm-hmm. um, your, your, your reach. Tell me about, about that and, and, and what that entailed and, and, and how that impacted the program in terms of bringing it to where it is today. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so um, around 2005, uh, so about five years after I started the special needs programs at our schools, um, I thought you know, it's time to go global. <laughs> and, uh, you know, definitely have no connections, political connections, or um, uh, even know how to do it at that time. And uh, But I just had the vision. And uh, so from 2005 to 2010, I started, you know, getting in touch with different national organizations that are doing research on, you know, about um, sport, like para sports, uh, just just doing as, as much research and uh, networking as I can um, within those uh, five years. And like you said, in about 2010, um, Vancouver hosted the uh, uh, the Winter Olympics and the Paralympic Games, and that was that was really uh, an, a great opportunity for me to showcase what we what I do, what our school does to the international uh, Olympic and Paralympic community and the World Taekwondo Federation leadership. So in 2010. Uh, during the Olympics and Paralympics, uh, we um, hosted several different events at our school. Um, the first one, we uh, we welcomed uh, the president of the World Taekwondo Federation to our school. Um, he invited um, some vice presidents of the WTF. Uh, there was uh, a lot of high-ranking officials, and we did. We welcomed. Um, we probably did a. Uh, we probably had about maybe 40 to 60 
or so, maybe even more of our students with various abilities uh, do a demonstration for, for them. Um, and that was kind of, uh, I believe, their first exposure to what Paratechno is, um, what it can be, what, you know, is how it's all inclusive. It's not just about the high performance sports. It's about, it's about everything and everyone. Um, and then uh, uh, a few days or a week later, we uh, did another demonstration. And that's where we welcomed, um, at that time, the, the president of the International Paralympic Committee to our school in Vancouver. And that was his first exposure to Paratechno. So since so and that was kind of like the that was my way of in a way getting my foot in the door, um, and then since then uh, you know uh, we had I was invited by the president of the WTF to do a um, presentation at the General Assembly in uh, 2011 and at the World Championships um, I did some you know, presentations for the council meeting I did a, a, a workshop. Uh, in, I believe in about 2012 or so, uh, in Aruba, um, was uh, you know was invited to be on the ad hoc committee for paratechnology development uh, uh, a year later or so. So that that was kind of uh, I was from 2010 to about 2014. I was working very uh, in depth in in that arena. That's great. So would you? Um say that in terms of where your work has transitioned, um, I see that you have uh, certainly your, your dojang, but has your work transitioned to being one of uh, instructor of students to instructor of masters and taekwondo instructors and professionals for the perpetuation of your program? Is that a fair characterization or do I have that askew you, you you mean like um my goal is to see other instructors are you are you primarily in terms of the work that you're doing is it still because in terms of your global reach um the ability to to spread what it is that you're that you're doing to cert, to a certain degree right is limited if you're doing it as one individual but you're oh, you're working sure. with all of the of all of these groups to be able to provide guidance for them in is the goal to be able to in the the average dojang to be able to implement um, para taekwondo um, programs and and how have you seen that in terms of um, I, I mean I you know certainly I follow you um, and I follow uh, you know what's going on in taekwondo so certainly for me I think probably as a as a young person in taekwondo I don't think I ever conceived of it and I don't think I ever heard the term but in terms of my discussions and in terms of what I see I I see a tremendous amount of attention which is wonderful to, to it um, where do you see the current state of uh, para taekwondo and para martial arts and 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 and, and I'm gonna ask you a supplemental question is is do you find in your exposure to the martial arts that this is taekwondo is ahead of the game or or behind the game or or is it is it something that is uh, transcends the Taekwondo um, philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, so what, like to expand on your um, uh, statement about me wanting or wanting to see Paratekwondo or, or therapeutic martial arts or adaptive martial arts or special needs martial arts, it doesn't really you know, matter what you call it um, or it doesn't matter to me what you call it. Uh, the, I have moved away from the um, sport uh, of Paratechno, I feel that that is kind of on its pathway towards 
Uh, it is a Paralympic uh, sport. Um, it's you know it's 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 growing internationally as a as a sport. But my my heart and my my vision and I, where I feel I can impact a lot more is working with uh, taekwondo instructors, um, uh, school owners. Uh, those are the ones who are on the, on the, on the, on the floor actually impacting the lives of. Uh, the kids and the, and, the, and the individuals, and hopefully individuals with special needs. Um, so I have the last few years, I have uh, moved a little bit, uh, moved away from the international sport uh, arena to actually working with as many instructors as I possibly can uh, to help them start and initiate programs. Um, and I have been doing that through seminars. Um, so. Uh, well, I've traveled to various countries, conducted seminars, and uh, very inten- extensive type of events um, where we can provide as much information as possible to those individuals who are seeking that platform to grow. Um, you know, I have a, an online instructor certification program for people who are interested learning more and also becoming certified. Uh, and I'm working on a few other projects as well right now to 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 expand. Um, expand this, uh, my vision. Um, in regards to Taekwondo compared to other martial arts, um, probably Taekwondo, to my knowledge, Taekwondo is really the only one that has a para component. I know para karate um, recently has been developing, um, and I've, I'm not sure whereabouts they are um, in their development, but I know they initiated. When, you know, there's, for example, Judo, who has... Um, um, Judo for people who are with visual impairment, and that has been around for quite a few years. Um, but all those sport karate or sport judo, it is a sport related, um, right. which is a very minute percentage of individuals who will study martial arts or who want to get into, into martial arts. Um, the 99.99999% of the population doesn't see that as a they're not they're not interesting. Now, mom and dad, you know, who have a child with autism, they want a the child to be able to talk, to walk, to uh, uh, to engage socially, to have self-control of their emotions, to be able to overcome their anxieties, um, you know, to be able to be even included in a in a social group environment. Um, those are the what we're working and striving towards uh, in our schools and uh, and and everyone who I work with. That's kind of the goal is that inclusion, that integration, and, uh, you know, the personal growth and personal development through martial arts. And if they're teaching um, karate or they're teaching kung fu or they're teaching hapkido or they're teaching uh, any martial art that they can, you know, they know and they're willing to work with a child with special needs, I'm I'm 100% for it. I'm not really, at this point in my life, I'm not... uh, towards just one discipline because it's not the discipline it's the person it's the instructor who will make an impact in the child's life that's wonderful i agree wholeheartedly that's wonderful so where are you in the interest of uh, in the interest of time I, I i could probably talk to you for hours but i'm going to try to um just no i'm, I'm good on a couple on a couple of things tell me uh where you are today in terms of your um uh in uh, in the the journey that you are have embarked on, where are you today in terms of where you're going, and what's in store for Grandmaster Michael Sirota and the the Power Taekwondo program over the course of the next year? Okay, um, so I'm I'm still very heavily involved in the, in our local community. 
Um, you know, we continue to grow uh, our therapeutic programs. Um, we're very much engaged in, in every local uh, association. Um, we we attend every fair, every event. We we uh, you know conduct. We have a paratechnical demonstration team that we uh, performs. So we're in in the school systems. We are we, when it comes to you know special needs and martial arts. We are known by the whole community. Uh, we are also uh, a service provider for the autism funding. So, and we're the only martial arts school in, in our in our province and probably in Canada that has that recognition. So, what that means is that if, um, like in in Canada, all the medical is covered by the the government, uh, which is very different than you guys in the states. Sure. Um, but let's say a child a child who has autism, um, he receives funding from the government for therapy based programs. You know, it could be for occupational therapy, it could be for um, physiotherapy, it can be for, um, you know, speech and language. So any kind of therapy-based program, the government, there's, there's a fund available. Um, and if they come to Sorrell's Alchemy, our martial arts center, they can use our fund. So we, we, we build a ministry for the kids who are attending the classes. And we are the only martial arts center like that in, in, that I'm aware of. Uh, so we are continuing to grow uh, uh, and provide as many opportunities as we can for all children. Um, now, in terms of uh, my uh, international growth, I'm I'm really want to see more instructors um, grow um, their programs, and specifically more in Canada and the United States, um, because we we all most of us run commercial schools. Um, I know quite a few schools who are, you know, way struggling, um, and I've been there. I've literally been there. I know exactly how what it is like. Um, there's such a huge, gigantic demographic of, even if we just look at autism, you know, they say that one out of 45 boys uh, will be diagnosed with autism. Uh, that's a huge, huge percentage of our population. Um, and right now, we're not really. You know, we have a, most schools will have one, two, maybe a few kids with autism, but they don't have a specific program where we can actually make a huge impact in, a, in those lives um, because they do need a specialized curriculum, in my opinion, a specialized curriculum, a specialized method of teaching. Um, and I would love to work with those school owners and instructors who are, you know, who want to who wanna not just have one or two kids with autism or, or Down syndrome, but actually have a hundred children with autism or some kind of a special needs, which is very, very possible. It's extremely possible. Um, and, and then how can we provide education for those instructors and, we, and how can we provide the mentorship or the guidance so they can impact the lives of, you know, hopefully millions, um, financially be successful at the same time so they're not struggling, uh, you know, so they can take care of their own families and their own lives and be a true asset to the to their community, to the all inclusive community. That's wonderful. So, so for for those instructors and and school owners that are listening, what would be and, and again, I said we'll, we're going to link a lot of the stuff in in our show notes. But what would be the best place for them to um, get in touch with you to find out about that? What would be the, either the the website or or the the best uh, place for them to locate that information so they could get started okay. on finding out about it? So I'll, I'll provide a few um, platforms. Um, so we do, uh, the online instructor certification course that we have available right now is at tarataekwondo.com. Um, so that is, uh, we have um, instructors, I would estimate from about 30 countries who have already 
taken the courses and are certified and are teaching it in their countries. Uh, so that is an online course. It's, uh, you know, kind of go on your own pace, uh, you, the different lessons in an exam. Um, and then once they complete the exam, they, they will receive certification from our organization. Um, so that is, that's the, the easiest. And there's a lot of content there. It took me about four years of development to create that program. Um, uh, so that's one platform. We are launching uh, probably uh, in July. We're launching a new program. It's called it's going to be it's called Therapeutic Martial Arts International. It's an organization I formed probably about ten years ago, um, and uh, it's something that we're we're taking it where it's beyond the technical boundaries, beyond the sport. It's how to teach people with various different special needs and uh, you have more of a, a online educational platform which we're I'm working on right now or we're building it right now uh, so that that would be an, a, a different pathway for them to for an instructor to learn um, and I'm also always available um, you know someone might let's say wants to get a hold of me and uh, you know the email is probably the best way or they can probably find me on Facebook um, and message me and we, I know I'd be happy to uh, uh, just if anyone has a question or how to start or how to develop, um, you know, that's another platform. And lastly, you know, seminars and conferences. Um, we host our own conferences. I've traveled to different countries for different organizations, uh, and we provide um, usually like a two-day, 16-hour seminar that I will teach. Uh, and, and that's more of a hands-on experience. Wonderful, and we will, and like I said, we will link all of the other things. Uh, Mr. Sorda, I think you know one of the things that I love um, in doing what I do with the magazine is, you know, it's called Taekwondo Life for a reason, and we try to find stories that transcend um, simply, you know, how to how to execute the best sidekick. You know, we we do those also, but um, and I love what it is that that you're doing. Um, I love the use of Taekwondo. Um, as a as a way to better people's lives, whether it be emotionally, whether it be physically, um, and and I think that you really are a shining example of the best of what the Taekwondo community has to offer. So I thank you for all you're doing, um, and I look forward to uh, displaying it and to get reaching more people in our audience, uh, uh, informing them, wow. educating them, and putting them in touch with you regarding uh, how they can be a better service to their community, and as you so eloquently put it earlier, a Taekwondo for all, which is really what we should all be uh, 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 trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. well, I really appreciate it, but I do want to um, expand a little bit that, you know, uh, perhaps I'm the, the face of it uh, within our schools and stuff, but, you know, within our schools, we do have about 10 staff, 10 instructors who work daily with kids with uh, special needs so it is a uh, for me it is a team team effort um a lot of our instructors who you know been with me for 10 15 years who are very qualified and very skilled at working with kids um and who also you know create a huge impact in their life so uh it's, it's not something that you know let's say i can do personally um i want to let the your readership and people who are listening know that you know, definitely if I can do it, if my instructors can do it, who have absolute, who have started off with no background in special education or anything in that particular field, um, can do it and are at par with, are, are viewed the same 
as an occupational therapist, as a physiotherapist, as a behavior consultant, behavior interventionist, and that's why the parents are bringing our kids to us. Um, all the other instructors, regardless if they live in Los Angeles or you know Miami or a small town somewhere, you can everyone can definitely do it. You just need to just have the passion, the drive, and uh, you know of course the skill sets that come with it. Wonderful. We're talking today to Grandmaster Michael Sirota, who is a an Ethan, who is a uh, instructor, a teacher, an advocate, and uh, who is uh, leading the way and has been for some time in the area of what we'll call para taekwondo. Uh, Master Sirota, thank you again for speaking to us no, today. My pleasure. And I look forward so and much. I look forward to, to talking to you soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.